The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2979. We're continuing our Rogue One rewatch, looking at things that may bear on our experience of the Andor series when it comes out next month. We're starting with the tank attack, which happens just after the 30-minute mark and going to just about an hour in, which ends with Bodhi and Cassian arriving atop the ridge, looking out at the shuttle landing platform. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, once again, a quick reminder, thank you so much to everyone who has been liking and retweeting and sharing and commenting on the tweets I've been putting out, the Instagram posts I've been putting out for Mark Hamill to hopefully entice him into a conversation that I can share with you on the 3000th episode of this podcast. Later today, I'll be posting the fifth proposed question on Twitter, so I hope you'll keep an eye out for that. And I've linked the four previous tweets at the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com and in the show notes as well. And so it's really easy for you to grab them, find them, and share them and retweet them. And thank you again so much for helping to make this possible. All right, let's dig into Rogue One. And the first thing I'm going to flag with that tank attack, just before it happens, there is a public announcement happening that goes like this. Citizens of the Empire, Imperial forces tirelessly fight Saw Gerrera's reign of terror over the people of this beloved city. Truth and justice are the tools of the Empire. And it continues on and the subtitles on the Disney Plus Rogue One situation say announcement continues indistinctly or something like that before the tank begins and before the tank attack begins. And you know, it's not hard to believe that propaganda considering the attack that unfolds and the risk to civilians in the area. Certainly Sagarera has made himself <laughs> very clear somebody who will take on the Empire and collateral damage is of no concern to him at all and this attack very much demonstrates that. So it's kind of easy to see from the Imperial propaganda standpoint how yeah that actually feels real. So that's something to keep in mind as we see more of Saw Gerrera in the Andor series, just who he is and what his methods are. I think we might well see that on display. Then in the thick of the tank battle, Cassian makes what you know is also potentially a controversial decision, a decision that requires a lot of moral discussion, similar to when he killed Tivik on the Ring of Kefrain. This time he kills one of Sagarera's partisans, and he does it because that partisan has a grenade that he, she, they are about to drop down into the tank area, which will very likely kill Jin Erso if it gets thrown. Now, as opposed to killing Tivik, where it looks like he actually had a moment to consider the decision and the ramifications of his actions. This one is very much in the heat of battle where he just made the snap decision to kill one of the partisans. 
But we don't necessarily know whether his motivation is because he already sees them as criminals and enemies to begin with, and so it's open season if he needs to, or if it's just about protecting Jin, or if it's some combination of both. But he doesn't necessarily have an investment in Jin just yet, other than he needs her to get in the door of Saw Gerreras in order to complete his mission. So it's not entirely altruistic. And I think one of the things we've been hearing pretty regularly about the Andor series and about how Cassian's character development is going to be treated is that we're going to see him over the course of the two seasons be put in situations where he has to make more and more difficult decisions and life and death ones very likely and ones that certainly fall into gray areas as well. And we may also see how these decisions wear on him over time. Then there's a scene where he and Jin are pinned down by stormtroopers and they go out their doorway one direction and the other direction. Cassian kills the two stormtroopers in his direction and then turns to go assist Jin, but sees Jin has everything well in hand and is meleeing with the stormtroopers. And he actually seems like a little dumbfounded and impressed. And I was kind of surprised by the reaction on the rewatch because I am sure he got a briefing about the situation on Wobani and how she took out the Pathfinders there and nearly got away if it weren't for K2 just snatching her up out of the air. Then again, these guys are stormtroopers in armor, and yes, you could make arguments about the armor, and there were a lot more of them than the Spec Force Pathfinders that were on Wobani going to retrieve her. So yeah, maybe <laughs> it's worth giving him that dumbfounded look in the moment. The next thing I want to flag for you is when Cassian and company are brought to Saw Gerrera's and thrown in a prison cell. So Chirrut is chanting, you know, I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me, and Baze says that he thinks he's going to use the Force to open the doors. Cassian says that he thinks the Force and he have different priorities, and I've been racking that one over in my brain, and if you have an idea of what he means exactly by that, I'd love to hear it, other than just, you know, if it's the take it at face value that he doesn't think he and the Force have the same priorities like yeah maybe it is just as simple as that but I feel like there's some deeper meaning to it and I just can't grab onto it so if you have any ideas about that heck I'd love to hear them so if you're catching the video version of this just drop a comment on YouTube or at the home page for this show actually the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com or hit me up on Twitter sw7x7podcast I'd love to hear your thoughts but then the other notable thing is that Chirrut says, you know, we've been in worse cages before, and Cassian says, this is the first for me. So that's particularly interesting because we've been talking about that scene where it looks like he's in a prison and where he is helping to make a prison break of some kind happen. And we had been hypothesizing here that maybe he was a prisoner and helping this break happen, but that line in Rogue One suggests that that can't be the case. Instead, it would have to be him on a mission infiltrating a prison and then breaking the prisoners out. Or, as we've seen in other Star Wars storytelling, <laughs> creating a situation where there's some kind of prison riot and he's only looking to get one particular person out and causing a lot of chaos in order to make that situation you know, hard to figure out. And then, of course, Chirrut says, you know, there's all kinds of prisons, and he says, I think you carry your prison with you wherever you go to Cassian, and Cassian takes a moment to consider that, which it, of course, reads like from Diego Luna's performance that that hits home in some fashion. 
So I hope maybe we get to see stuff in Andor that provides a little bit of illumination of that situation. Meanwhile, Saw and Jin meet up, and Saw says that, you know, not a day has gone by that he hasn't thought of her. We've talked on the podcast about how the time period of season one of Andor lines up almost exactly with the time at which Saw abandoned Jin. So we're presuming that it's likely it has already just happened. It'd be kind of interesting to see whether Saw make whether Saw makes some acknowledgement of this somehow. Or, depending on the timing, if we might actually see that event dramatized in live action. That might be something possible. I don't necessarily think it's going to be, but it's certainly out there as a possibility. And related to that, in Galen's hologram message, he says that he has information that he hopes will save the Alliance. And considering that the Alliance didn't come together until 2BBY, and he also says that he hopes that he'll be able to get a message to Jin wherever she is, Galen at this point knows that Jin is no longer with Saw and knows that there's the existence of an alliance. So that suggests that Galen Erso has been in contact somehow with Saw Gerrera, or at the very least one of his people, in the time period during which the Andor series happens. But if we're to see that, we might see it in season two of Andor. Not sure. And again, the Andor season two situation is just little bits of time each year. So <laughs> there's probably a lot more time where they're not going to be dealing with things. So it could happen within any of those spaces too. So I would say probably not very likely, but if it's going to show up anywhere, it'd be season two. And now we get to the last thing we're going to cover in this segment of the movie, which is... Andor's feelings about assassinating Galen Erso. So when he gets the order from Draven, he just kind of accepts it and goes, and he doesn't really give any indication of how he feels about that, or if he even feels about that. But when he sends the message off to Rebel Alliance headquarters, he says, hey, the weapon's confirmed, and the target is on Edu. Please advise. So He's already been given orders to kill Galen Erso. Why is he asking for a please advise situation from Draven in this moment? To me, that suggests that he is not fully comfortable with the idea of killing Galen Erso. And then when he gets the message back that the mission should proceed as planned, there's a moment where it looks like his head just sinks a little bit lower, like he was hoping not to get that response and that he is having a problem with it. And then before he gives K2 the order to set course for Edu, there's another moment of hesitation there. If you watch his performance, you see that the doubt is already starting to build. And then when Cassian hears about the message, about Galen's words about the trap that he's laid in there and you can blow the whole thing up, he's like, you have that message, right? And if you view it in context of the way his head kind of sank, the fact that he was asking for a please advise from Draven and his hesitation to tell K2 to set course for Edu, it reads as though he's saying, you know, please have that message so that way I can say we've got the message we don't have to kill Galen Erso. And then there's his line about, like, I'm not the one you have to convince, which is interesting, and it kind of passes the buck off to Draven, but nobody actually pursues that. She doesn't say, well, who do we have to convince? But 
essentially it's Mon Mothma because she says, all right, well then let's just rescue my dad and bring him back, which is, incidentally, what the mission from Mon Mothma was in the first place. And he seems to kind of agree with that. But then, of course, they crash land on Edu and they're you know, out of communication. So he has to say, all right, let's go look and see what's what. And he's at the point where it's like, all right, well, I know what my orders are. So I at least have to prepare for the possibility of carrying them out, just depending on what happens. I suppose that's the practical thing for him to do under the circumstances. But then after he and Bodhi leave, Chirrut has to say, does he look like a killer? And Baze, of course, says, no, he has the face of a friend. And Jin's like, what are you talking about? And Chirrut says, the force moves darkly around a person that's about to kill a creature that's about to kill. So, of course, Jin immediately leaves to go try to find her father before Cassian gets to him. And she doesn't necessarily know whether he's having doubts about this. She just knows that there's a possibility that he's going to kill him and she has to go protect him, whatever the cost. Oh, and the other thing that shows how Cassian is really unhappy about a situation is when Jin says, everybody's got the message, and K2 starts saying, yeah, the message is, you know, that one shot of the reactor and everything goes down. The whole system goes down, and Cassian loses it and is like, fix the comms, ah! And all of these little things, like, I had not added together in previous viewings of Rogue One as signs of Cassian's building doubt over the decision of whether to follow through on the order and assassinate Galen Erso or not. And so that was really cool to have this experience and to see those little moments that Diego Luna has in his performance and how he's building toward his decision ultimately not to pull the trigger. And that right there brings us to the 101 mark in the movie when Cassian and Bodhi arrive on that ridge overlooking the shuttle landing platform. And we'll start there in tomorrow's episode as we continue our Rogue One and our focus rewatched but for today that is going to do it for this episode of the show and it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited Disney or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only Star Wars the Star Wars logo all names and pictures of Star Wars characters vehicles and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them all original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7 we hope you love it